Sports Radio 1043, the fan presents Football at Four. Here's the drive. Football at four, Sean Payton, Jerry Judy injury. No, it's a hamstring. Um, he'll get an MRI. We'll, we'll kind of see where he's at with it, um, but nothing more. Well, according to reports, Tom Pelissero, uh, Mike Cliss, Ian Rappaport, they're saying it's not that severe. Matt Smith and KJ rolling with me today. Matt, okay, so is this a deep breath and it's a, uh, all right, could have been a lot worse or... Does this feel bad enough? Do you believe the Broncos are snake pit? I think it's definitely a situation where you have to reevaluate things one way or another, right? It's not like, oh, you lost Jerry Judy, but yeah, we'll be all right. Just keep trucking. No, it's like, all right, a couple weeks without Judy, how do you proceed here? It makes things tougher to start, and that's a really bad position for them to be in because if you're looking for this team to make the playoffs this year, if that's where your expectations are, you look at this schedule, if they don't start fast, they could be in a situation where they get buried. So get, coming out of the gate, look, let's say you lose one of the first two that you didn't anticipate losing prior to losing Judy. All right, so you go to Miami, you're one and one You win or lose in Miami? You lose. I think you're always losing that game. I yeah. think that's just a tough game period. Week four against the Bears is a complete toss-up. Even further, I think that's a game where the Judy loss, you feel it even more. You're on the road at that situa- well, in that situation. Well, hopefully back by then, man. I mean, what are we talking about? My point is, is that, yeah, it's a problem because the next four weeks are the Jets, Kansas City twice, and Green Bay, who looks better than everyone anticipates them to be. It's a problem because you wanted to start fast, and now you're in a situation where you're just going to have to game it, man. And like you said, a lot of close games. A lot of close games. Okay, so practice today. Practice for the past couple days. Um, I asked Sean Payne about the team's conditioning because... First of all, yesterday, not even by the Muggles' account, by their account, by VJ and Sean Payton, by their account, yesterday was unacceptable. Not the right energy, not what they wanted, just bad. Both of the coaches said that about yesterday. Sean Payton was happier with how things were today, as was VJ, but it's not like they were over the moon with excitement. That being said... What is going on where late in the practice, both yesterday and today, seem to be just not that great for the Broncos? What's your feeling on the overall conditioning? I think good. I, look, we've conditioned hard. I think yesterday was a little bit more, I would say, flat than. I think we're in good shape. Um, and, and I think today we, we had a little bit more juice. Like I said, I was encouraged. Okay. So that's a positive thing? Or is that, Matt, just kind of like, well, it's better than yesterday? Yeah, that was it. That was it. And it's like, hey, look, at least we did coach some stuff and they corrected some things. But, yeah, there's a cloud over the practice because now you're dealing with yet another obstacle. And for Sean Payton, at least you have a chess master here who knows how to handle this, right? If you're in a situation where this was Nathaniel Hackett, right, if you were in year two of Nathaniel Hackett and you lost – Patrick, and and now you lost Judy for the first few weeks, you'd feel a lot worse about the position that you're in, but because of the way that we know they want to approach this, they do want to use the ground game. Now, I don't think it's... It, 
I'm not really in, in lockstep with a lot of the guys on the station who think that they're going to be a pound, pound, pound away offense, but they may end up having to do that more and more now because the one thing we have seen out of the preseason they can actually run play-action pass because they've been able to run the ball effectively. So if that trend continues into the regular season, you rely on the ground game, you make things simple for Russ, play-action pass, a couple of options. If it's not there, check down or take off. You see a lot of what you saw in San Francisco, but that means that there's pressure on Sutton and maybe a guy like a Brandon Johnson to step up and fill the void. And then you're going to need some other guys to step up and do it right behind them. And and who those are right now, I couldn't tell you. I think they're going to have to use the third game of the preseason to iron out now what they want that wide receiver room to look like. I, I, I do. Okay. So Brandon Johnson, I mean, if you know he's in, then you probably don't play him. You, pr- you probably don't play any of the guys that you think for sure are, are on your 53. You probably look at everybody else looking to battle. Oh, on Saturday? Yeah, Saturday? Yeah. You probably I, just listen, put everybody on ice, I, I can't say, and I'm sorry that it wasn't just open to more people these past two days, but, Matt, this was really, really good. Now, it didn't always go so great for the Broncos, obviously, but the, the essence of this joint practice was really good. And while there were a couple of little skirmishes out there, it was nothing compared to what happened with the Cowboys last year. However, I don't know if there's a bad side to that. Maybe we would have liked to have seen a little bit more edge. The one guy that got into a couple of kerfuffles was Josie Jewell, who promised us on Tuesday that he wasn't going to make any promises on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So he... He was true to his word about not making any promises to not get in a little bit of trouble. Damari Mathis was out, too, today. I don't think we've made mention of that, but Damari Mathis wasn't practicing today, too, which is a little, like, question mark. Like, uh, he didn't really look hurt, but but he was involved in a bit of an incident on Wednesday. So I'm not exactly sure what was going on there. Maybe we can uh, do some digging with Andrew Mason or some other folks and try to figure that out. But he didn't participate and then you had the Judy injury, too. But in terms of getting things done, Matt, awesome in terms of yesterday and today. I mean, truly awesome in terms of how many plays you got through, how many reps they had. How, I can't even count. Maybe Mace did. But I'm telling you, like uh, Sean Payne estimated over the two days, it was like 120 reps, which really would be like two full games. I thought that was great. Fantastic. So Saturday? I don't know, man. You just had two really filled days, especially today, of of football. Aside, aside, Matt, from tackling. So how important is the tackling aspect to everything else you're doing? Well, if you're telling me that this is a team that lost energy and keeps losing energy at the end and they couldn't finish week two and they couldn't finish week one, I think there's a red flag there. It's like, okay, where are we losing focus? Why are we losing focus here? Yeah, that's a good question. But I'll tell you what, having, having all those snaps under your belt over these last two days does is it gives you a lot of film to work with the next two weeks because the Broncos, for all intents and purposes, aren't going to really start game planning necessarily for almost two full more weeks or at least at least one and a half right at this stage. So, yeah, you need some stuff to work on. That's great to draw from that. And then you can start to put together, hey, look, this is what we do well. This is what we don't, you know, we don't really do well because that is one thing they haven't figured out so far, at least in the preseason games. I couldn't tell you outside of maybe play action pass and hopefully running the ball, but as far as like the actual technicalities and the logistics and yeah, I love this play. This is our bread and butter. Nah, we, we, this one, especially without Judy, the bubble screen, we probably got to throw that away. 
So, yeah, there, there's a lot to work on here, but you got the right guy to do it. So while it feels like, ah, you're, you're playing with your hands tied behind your back, at least you got the right brain to work with. Matt Smith, um, in the past two days, has done his doctoral thesis in Jonathan Taylor. It's a fascinating study, and we'll have the, uh, the presentation in a very entertaining format coming up for you next. Easy come, easy go. That's just how you live. Oh, take, take, take it all, but you never give. Should have known you was trouble from the first kiss. Had your eyes wide. There's some people open. out there, Matt Smith, that are optimistic. You guys will be surprised by Mims Jr. week by week. He's going to be lock it for Russell and play action. Hope so. That'd be cool. Look, guys, that'd be great. There's just no substance to draw from on that. So I hope that's the case, too. What can I say? Here's here's one. Big fan here. Morons. Mm. The season doesn't even start for over two weeks. Judy will be back in three. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know we had a doctor there, but okay. Judy will be back in three. Hey, if that's the case, wonderful. You only miss one game with Jet without Judy. Guys, that's fantastic. Does Sutton uh, take this moment to take the number one spot back no. from Maui Chris? Uh, he, I think he was already there. You know, I, I do. Um, but I think you're going to see a season. See, everybody got offended, Matt, when I said, uh, you know, Russ is like a, a good Tebow. Would people feel better if I said he was an elite Tebow? No, that doesn't. Just, it's uh, not an insult to me. I get that Tebow couldn't throw the football. But I'm calling him an elite Tebow. Yeah, but you're calling him an elite gamer is what you're doing. Because Tebow was a gamer. You're talking about the playing style with which they won under Tebow, where you're never going to shine in practice. But on the field, you're going to do those little things to make plays. That was what we saw in San Francisco, right, where the play broke down and Russ just said, it's on me, I don't have my read, I'm tucking and running. You saw a lot quicker decisiveness, and Tim, I'll give him credit, was good at that. If it wasn't, if the first or second read wasn't there, Tim was gone. Well, he was running at least. Uh, <laughs> dump Judy, sign Julio. You're not dumping Julio. Julio? How many uh, games do you think you're getting out of Julio I Jones? I don't know, man. I, I'll tell you this right now. Jerry Judy... Even with this hammy injury, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, Jerry Judy, even with this hammy injury, would play more games this year than if you signed Julio Jones. Guy can't stay healthy. All right, let's talk about running backs, man. Okay. Um, mm, I right. can't wait for you to uh, uh, submit your doctoral thesis on this. I, I think it's well-earned. I will enjoy you at the CU graduation uh, yeah. with all your plumes and feathers. Okay. But the, the concept of Jonathan Taylor, that's been an interesting conversation for sure. So do the Broncos have some serious interest in Jonathan Taylor? James Merrillat doubted they were putting it together. I talked to some people behind the scenes, and they said there doesn't seem to be significant interest, but our own Cecil Lammy said the Broncos behind the Dolphins are the second most interested team in Jonathan Taylor. What does that actually constitute in terms of interest? A little vague on the details, not sure what it is, but should the Broncos be interested in putting a package together, as Cecil has suggested, for Jonathan Taylor. I don't know why they would. If you're going to do that, that's a move for trying to get over the top, getting one of the best. I understand that there's an idea that he's one of the best backs in the league. His numbers last year didn't indicate that, and that's coming off a big injury. I know he was a rushing champion, but if you look at the way teams are winning in the NFL, it's really not with the dominant elite backs. Here's some numbers, all right? Give it to us. Last eight Super Bowls, 
two teams per Super Bowl, so 16 running backs. The last eight years, 16 lead backs. We all straight on that? Okay. Five of the 16 rushed for over 1,000 yards that season. So just 30% of the lead backs that have made the Super Bowl over the last eight years, which remember, 16 lead backs over the last eight years, just five of them were 1,000-yard rushers. So 30% of the lead backs over the last eight years. All right, why? Probably because teams are throwing now more than ever. Correct. Correct. Six of them, six of the 16 lead backs over the last eight years, ranked in the top 10 in rushing. So 37%. Just six. All right? Three of them ranked higher than number eight in rushing. Just Mm -hmm. three of the 16. And all three were 0-3 in the Super Bowl. Which, to me, says that that style isn't what's getting it done anymore. It's just not. It could get you there on the off chance, right? You got three of 16 teams that have done that with a running back eight or higher in rushing that season. How about this one? The last five running backs, not named Derrick Henry, to rush for 1,500 yards, all miss the playoffs. Wow. Got another one. Is that right? The last five running backs, not named Derrick Henry, to rush for 1,500 yards. That's a really interesting one. Miss the playoffs. Okay, interesting. No rushing champion has been in the Super Bowl since Sean Alexander wow. in 2005. Damn. You know when the last time there was a 1,000-yard rusher in the Super Bowl was? Todd Gurley? 2016, LeGarrette Blunt. Okay. Uh, running back is not a position, especially for a team that has so many other holes right now mm-hmm. that they need to add to. There's just no value, which is why when James gave me pushback earlier, I said to him, look, you go through and look through Jonathan Taylor's numbers. We'll do this. I haven't done this with you yet. All right, here's Jonathan Taylor's numbers in 2022. You tell me if the combination of Javante Williams, Samaje Pirine, and Jaleel McLaughlin couldn't get this done on a week-to-week basis. James gave me pushback there. He said, well, it depends upon who's the quarterback. I'll ask you. Do you think there's a big difference between Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz? No. Okay. Just just had to give the context there for the people who are upset with that take. So let me, let, let me show you here the game log last year. We're just going to go through games played. 21 carries, 82 yards. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay, Broncos could do that, right? Well, listen, you're 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 selling Moneyball to a Moneyball guy. So I'm not even selling Moneyball. So, like, That's if, the thing. We could go through the numbers if you want, which is fine. But I I get where what you're saying. Like, it just you know, quickly give me like five games. Twenty one for eighty two. Twenty one for seventy one. Keep going. Twenty for forty two. Keep going. That's a bad game. Twenty two for eighty four. Keep going. 22 for 147. How about that? That's a big game. Big game. That's a big game. But what if you had three backs? who had 26 carries for 150. Is there a difference? Yeah, there is. You didn't invest over $10 million per year in go. an injury-riddled running back See, when you're Jonathan talking, Taylor. You're selling ice to an Eskimo over here with, with, with this, because I agree, because I, I have been a believer it's the cum- cumulative amount of, of, of production that you get, not the individual. I don't care about the individual. At the end of the day, if you have 28 rushes for 140 yards, that's a good day. I don't care if one guy has 10 and the other guy has 12. Got to hold on to the ball. Can't fumble the ball. Can't do that. But one guy, I mean, that guy would have to do other things to be worth it. That's where Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey, because they can do a bunch of other things. What are the receptions for Jonathan Taylor? Great question. What, What are the yards per carry of Jonathan Taylor? I mean, you're you're telling me he's like a 4.3 guy per something like that, which yep. is actually probably pretty good. 
in the NFL. That and I know, I know two years ago was crazy. But do you remember what happened to the Colts two years ago? Do you remember what happened in the last game yeah. for the Colts two years yeah, ago? Yeah, they lost to the Jags and blew their playoff chances, right? But that was the second last, second to last game the of the Jags year. Jags or was it the Texans? No, it was the last game of the year. The Texans won last season, and they missed out on the first overall I, pick. The year before, it was the Jags. The Jags, okay. So the Colts, with everything on the line, playing a lousy team. Because this was hard knocks. Mid-season hard knocks. Right. They had, it was a three, wasn't it Jags, like three-win team? Something Every, like that? Yeah, like this is like, this is it. We win, we make it, we're doing hard knocks. We're following them the whole season. And they just laid an egg. They laid an egg. Jonathan, we're going to give up draft picks? For Jonathan Taylor? Really? I mean, the, the the degree of how special he would have to be is kind of absurd. But but the, the we're, we're hearing that the Broncos are the second most interested team? How does that even make any sense? I don't, I don't know how to wrap my head around it because it doesn't logically make any sense. Now, the Dolphins, I don't know, maybe... Maybe. I don't know what their running back situation is like. That makes sense, like. That makes sense. Why? Because the Dolphins could be an elite running back away from being a Super Bowl contender. But here's why it makes no sense for the Broncos. Look what you've invested in your offensive line. Look at what you've invested in your receiver room. Well, I'm just saying, well, go but, across but, but, the board. But, but in terms of running backs, Matt, specifically, look what you've invested in your offensive line. And look what they're supposedly great at. And, and and look what you believe in Javante Williams, and you picked up P. Ryan, and it looks like you did a great job with McLaughlin. Like, almost any running back, theoretically, if you've paid this much for an offensive line and they're supposedly that good, almost any running back should be very productive for you. Almost any of them. But now you're going to go after Jonathan Taylor? Like, he's going to be that different? Nah, man, it's about your offensive line. And you've, hey, if you hadn't, sunk that much money, Matt, into your offensive line? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you need somebody special. But what, are we giving up on Javante Williams? That's a wrap on Javante Williams? <laughs> you want to you wanna know what James's point was to me? And gosh, I love James. I got to pull up his text here because I just did the numbers. This is, this is quite entertaining. James's, James's argument and his pushback, okay? This is what James' argument and his pushback goes. In six games Taylor missed last season, the Colts scored 12 points or less four times. You want to know the other point totals the Colts scored with Taylor in there? They scored 19, 17, 16, 25, 16, 10, 17, 17, 0, 20. I mean, what are we doing? What are we talking about? I, 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 it, it never made sense to me. I, I'm sure Cecil was right. I have no doubt Cecil was right. But I definitely question the logic behind it. I do. It would be such a misplay by the Broncos at this stage. It would be. It'd be the icing on the cake for George I mean, Payton. I get it. It just would seem to make to me absolutely positively no sense. Now, if you want to talk about getting a receiver, I mean, I'm all ears because uh, we are at DEFCON 1 when it comes to healthy receivers. And I'll kill you with truth about that next. I'm just an old truth teller. Time for DMAC to kill you with truth. I want the truth. Tell the truth. Get the truth. I'll set you free. Here on the drive. This Jerry Judy injury. Oh, it's not good. I don't. I don't want to be a bummer, man. I've got to come in with hope and optimism and sunshine. But what the heck, man? 
The truth right now is the Broncos are snake bit. I know Joe Lombardi did not want to admit that. That's a tough thing to admit, but there is something karma-wise that is just not going the Broncos' way. And I don't even know how to explain it. Except for the fact that to reset a culture can't be done with a light switch. It takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. And, you know, getting one of those two wins, I think, would have meant something. Getting a win in front of your home crowd on what promises to be somewhat of a sloppy night with a big brand-new scoreboard and some awesome snacks around that uh, Empower Field, I think, is cool. But the truth is we're not going to learn a lot from this game. So whatever we needed to find out about this Broncos team, y'all, we have ascertained to this point, and here we go against the Raiders. And the truth is, boy, do we have a lot of question marks out there. But I'm not here to bum everybody out and sit there. I just can't think of more, so. I'm just going to say this, Matt. The truth is, with Jerry Judy, this one stings. And the Broncos are going to have to find some significant heart inside of themselves that they had a hard time mining for in the next two days to overcome this one. There's just as many questions out at the end of training camp as there were in the beginning, and that's the truth. Wasn't it Foxy that was big on Next Man Up? Wasn't that yeah, his thing? Yeah, he loved that. Next phrase. Man Up! He loved it. I always thought... Next man up if the next man also makes $10 million. Yeah, that'd be great. Next man up if you also just picked up the fifth-year option on that first-rounder. The next man up if, Judy. Is he, uh, next man up is an elite yeah. route runner from the University of Alabama. However, if it's a short-term injury, you can you can get away with that. You could do next man up. If it's a short-term injury, yeah. it makes things tougher. No one's right, denying so who's, that. Who's the next man up for Jerry Judy? Great question. Brandon Johnson just coming back off of that ankle injury, to me, figures to be the guy who you'd want to put out there. They've been really high on him. All he's done is made plays when, well, when he's been out there. should it be Callaway, but, who was Sean Payton's pick? But he doesn't have the experience, especially in this system, that Marquez Callaway does. The problem is, has anybody really seen Callaway do anything other than know the system so far? Just asking. Have you, have you seen many Callaway moments where you're like, oh, Oh, uh, not a, a couple, but not not of not of significance. Right. So for me, if I've got to choose between Callaway or Johnson, first of all, they're both going to play. So it really doesn't matter who starts. They they both get opportunity at this point. You wow. can't be you can't be discriminatory at this point. Tough text here. Judy is officially a bust. Yes or no? No. 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 I say no too. I agree with you guys. No. He's I had a bad camp though. I will, I will be the first you one know, to acknowledge that. You know, that. Matt, though, every day in camp after he dropped one, and he would drop one every day, every day in camp except for yesterday, he would come back with, like, a great catch and a great play. You know who this sounds like? Yesterday was not that day, though. Sounds like Sam Gerard. It's like, oh, look at Sam Gerard's oh, pass. Ah, but on the man. other end, he just got beat like a drum. But So when, you get, when you're giving me a one-to-one contribution, it means nothing. So, yeah, I, look, for me, I just... I don't know. I, I haven't seen it out of Judy this year. You just picked up his fifth-year option. You're showing him that you believe in him enough to keep him around another year, to take another look at him, and I would have expected a little bit more from him. 
But I will tell you right now that it has not been the camp that I expected. Has he taken over camp one day? You know what his contemporary is doing in Justin Jefferson? Eating everybody alive in Minnesota training camps. But, I mean, Jerry Judy has had some great moments this this training camp. Moments is great. I'm talking about days. This dude's a first-round pick, the highest-drafted wide receiver in franchise history. I need more than moments, bruh. (laughs) Did you just bruh me? I did. Uh, on the uh, Ramaslaw.com text line, it's the morning show's fault. They yep. smeared Paxton one too many times, huh? and we're all paying the cost for it now. Uh, I mean, anything to blame the morning show is fine by me. You know, so I'll just, I'll just take that where I can find it. The rare Paxton Lynch fan right there. That is a Paxton Lynch fan. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you, KJ. Appreciate it. The only reason always they, good to dust that one off. The only reason they would look at uh, JT Taylor mm. is he's an every down back, and you can open up the entire playbook. <laughs> These other guys, maybe role players that the defense can key on. Maybe Javante is only an early down back. P. Ryan, blah 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 blah. <sighs> just guessing. That's you are just guessing. Yeah, exactly. That's a straight-up guess because there's not a shred of truth to that, man. The, the, you add in every down back, so now you can open the playbook. What skills does he have that you don't possess in the team? Judy is definitely a bust to this point. Hate to break it to you. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Hey, I'll tell you what. Jerry Judy in the last six games of the year, last six games of the year was outstanding. He was one of the top receivers in the league. His numbers were fantastic. I get it. He only had three touchdowns all in one game. But just look at his overall numbers in the last six games and tell me you wouldn't want that for a season. Give me a break. The, the guy has unbelievable talent. Nate Jackson, our own Nate Jackson, has pointed out his mechanics with catching the ball are not great. And I super respect Nate Jackson. If, if Nate Jackson could do one thing in the NFL was catch a football, should have thrown it to him more. But I'll take Nate Jackson's word for that. So maybe his mechanics could get better in terms of that, Matt. But to think that he wasn't one of the better talented guys out there, a bust. Guys do get hurt, Matt, don't they? Of course. Do we not give some for forgiveness for injury? Yeah, but if it keeps happening year after year after year in the same position group, you know what the black fly and the Chardonnay of this entire situation is? Is the wide receiver room was the deepest position the Broncos had on this team. They easily, unequivocally, without question, had more depth in that room than they did any other position, and it's all gone. It's like you need a spoon and all you have is forks. I was with you, D-Mac. We should have taken... a knife, by the way. Whatever. It's a mile long, three yeah. inches deep. Uh-huh, Don't right. get caught up on the it's specifics. Right. Yeah. I was with you, D-Mac. We should have taken Josh Allen. But we would never have been able to develop him. Assumed incompetence syndrome. You know, that's, that's, that's right. what I hear. Right. The, the world of a assumed incompetence syndrome. We would have ruined well, Josh Allen. Look, I mean, if you're looking that far back at this point, then you're looking in the wrong place. That's a long time ago, man. All right, uh, the text line is lighting up. I love it. Keep it coming, 303-713-1043. I put it out there, man. Do you believe in Russell? Do you believe in VJ? Do you believe in Sean Payton? Because more and more, this is shaping up to be a season of super close games. I still think it's got the possibilities of being an amazingly exciting season. But do you get it done at the end? Will the Broncos be able to find that finishing spirit that they struggled to find in these past two practices. This is the drive on the fan. But tell them if I don't survive, I'm born free. I'm born free. 
calling it, quote, assumed incompetence syndrome is inaccurate. No assumption needed. We know the staff was woefully incompetent. All right. Really? Welcome to the show, Matt Smith and KJ. Really? The rooftop looks great. It's our guy Drew wearing a red shirt. Texter. Why? Let me explain assumed, assumed incompetence syndrome. Oh, Texter. Just quickly. Okay. Quickly. Assumed incompetence syndrome is when you assume everything that has happened in a negative form will still happen if you make a significant change in the first place. My issue with Josh Allen being drafted is you wouldn't have kept the same coaches. You wouldn't have had the same offense. You would have done things differently to suit Josh Allen because your organization, let's be Canadian here a little bit, and their process would have been completely different because you valued Josh Allen instead of Bradley Chubb in the first place. The reason you took a pass rusher and not a quarterback was because you just did not value the need for the quarterback because, Matt, stunningly, you thought you had the answer in Case Keenum. And it feels laughable now. But Case Keenum, to me... It was laughable then. To me, would have been the (laughs) perfect bridge quarterback, just like Alex Smith was to Patrick Mahomes. Now, of course, I call it the... Glennon Trubisky doctrine. It's the same concept. It sounds a hell of a lot better. You might want to rename that. If I call it the Smith Mahomes doctrine, (laughs) you might want to rename that. That's for sure. But the concept is the same. Yeah, is that you get a young, talented guy, you center everything around him, and you use a bridge quarterback to develop him. What they're doing with Anthony Richardson and the Colts is scary to me because they are they are just throwing him in the fire. But then again, Peyton Manning was thrown in the fire. Look at his numbers his rookie year. They weren't great, but he used that experience to leapfrog into the future and, you know, kind of the rest is history after an unbelievable long career. So you can either, you know, drown when you get thrown in the deep end. Like a lot of rookie quarterbacks have drowned because they just weren't ready for it. Have you watched Hard Knocks at all? Of course, yeah. Okay. I'm halfway through the newest episode. What are your impressions of Zach Wilson now? Very similar to what they were before, except now he has a mentor. And for some reason, Rodgers is all of a sudden cool with helping develop a younger quarterback. Very much so, right? Right. He wasn't in Green Bay. He was not. He was not. But I think he was a different person. Clearly. Yeah, I think he was... Or at least that's what he wants you to think. Well, I mean, if you look at it fairly, Jordan Love's been now... What, is this his fourth year or his fifth year with Jordan Love? Fourth? Yeah, it's not that. It's definitely not five. Because they didn't give him a fifth-year extension, did they? Yeah, it's four. Was he there three years already? Okay, I'm not quite sure. Three or four. Maybe a little research. Three or four. But, well, it is... Okay, whatever. Three or four. It's not his fifth year. Jordan Love is now, here you go, that sort of thing. But say it's... So it's... So Rodgers had a lot more years left. Like, Rodgers played those years, four years, and is now planning on playing another couple years. So when they drafted Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers had, like, seven years left in his career. Like, that's an insult. There's no threat or insult to Aaron Aaron Rodgers now. I mean, none. None whatsoever. So he's being great to Zach Wilson. What impresses me about Zach Wilson now, he looks like he's just relieved. 
it looks like he was it was heavy on his shoulders and he just wasn't ready for it and he just looks like a, a guy with like you know just a, a ton is 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 off his chest and he can breathe a little bit and develop and and get better now Zach Wilson looks like he's going to need a couple years to do that so who knows if it's really going to turn out for him or not but a guy like that Matt and you just throw him in the fire and go in year one and just go Zach Wilson are you nuts not the right temperament, not the right guy. See what happens with Justin Fields here in year three. See what happens. We already know what happened with Josh Allen. We already saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Should I keep going? Do you want to do the other direction? Because that's only like 30% of the story. That's why quarterbacks in the first round at the most hit at a 30% rate. Hitting at a 30% rate great. is skyrocketing successful compared to quarterbacks taken deeper. Right. I it's mean, still it's, only 30%, though. I gotcha, but it's the best percentage that you're going to find. Not arguing. Yeah. So you get into this conversation of what gives you the best chance to succeed, not a guaranteed chance to succeed. But the Broncos didn't want to do that. They're one of the few teams that haven't wanted to do that, Matt. And they haven't done it time after time after time. The one time that they, I guess, sort of tried to do it, was with Jay Cutler. But then they fired Mike Shanahan. I mean, you want to talk about like a, huh? Sort of moment when you look back in time. Matt, what what were the Broncos thinking when they fired Mike Shanahan when they were trying to commit to Jay Cutler as the quarterback? What were they thinking? How was that supposed to go? Are you asking me right now? I was just waiting for for the monologue to be over. DMAC, DMAC, the Broncos have refused to use the word rebuild. That's part of the, that's a huge part of the problem here, right? You are still trying to patchwork together a winner on top of a really poor roster foundation. They haven't ever gone through that process yet. It's been a four, rebuild has been a four letter word in this town, partially thanks to Elway because he would never go there. A retool, what did he use? It was a retool. We're, we're, yeah, it was a we retool. have no plan. We're going with plan A. That whole speech. There is no plan B. Right? Yeah, there is no plan B. That whole speech. Look, it's this is a this is an organization with a rich history and tradition. And this last stretch, partially because of the lack of leadership top down and the lack of a true commitment to a plan. It, it is almost impossible. And I'm, I'll just say it's impossible to win in sports if you try and patchwork it together. Can you think of any great Examples? It's hard to find. And Look at the Avs. Homegrown or not? Homegrown, baby. The Avalanche, vastly, mostly homegrown. Their entire core homegrown. How about the Nuggets? Homegrown core or no? Uh, well, Mike Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Nicole Jokic. Yeah, there you go. Chiefs? I mean, How about the Chiefs? Homegrown core or no? Uh, the Chiefs, what is the core of the Chiefs right now? Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones. Who else? Does it, you even need anybody else? They, they're, Their entire offensive line? They supplement. It's the NFL, so you got you got to fill in some gaps with free agents. But your big pieces, core pieces, yeah, that's typically how you get it done. It's hard to patchwork it together with veterans. If if a team is letting some player go, it's because they don't represent enough value to keep them on the team. The trickiest part too is to find free agent quarterbacks that really can prosper at their at their next club or offensive linemen. Well, both are hard to find because you, if you've got the guy, you don't let him go. 
So if that's how you're trying to build your team, you're really not setting yourself up for a great chance of success. Now, the problem is they did it for so many years. You look up all of a sudden, you're like, wow, it's been six years of not making the playoffs and five losing seasons in a row. We're so desperate for some semblance of competent quarterback play. We're willing to give the keys to somebody to come solve that problem so we don't have to go about this the organic way. Because why? Hopefully it's faster. On the uh, text line, so how many Super Bowls has Josh won? Josh Allen won so far? Here's a fun stat that I came across just digging into this topic for the past few years. Only 4% of any quarterback ever drafted mm-hmm. in any round. 4% in the history of the NFL has actually won a Super Bowl. Yeah, see, that's a dumb argument, the Super Bowls thing. It's has a, he gotten closer? Has no. he gotten closer than the Broncos so The real question is, how many years? Now, you guys think about this. With Josh Allen on the Buffalo Bills, how many reasonable years was it reasonable that they could have won a Super Bowl? And I would say all but his rookie year. The last three? Definitely the last The last three years. The last three, his second year now. And then, then you can project it out further. How many years in the future will he still give them an equal or above equal chance to have an opportunity to win? And I would say that might go on for another decade. Now, the tricky part about the Bills is did they miss their window? Did they miss their window? And they might have. And that kills me as somebody who's got some Buffalo ties and friends. Oh, and, do you? you know, I've got a couple. You have connections with Buffalo? I do have oh. a couple there, yeah. Is this the first time you're hearing about it too, KJ? <laughs> yeah, same. Okay. Listen, man, nobody has the more Buffalo love than uh, our guy, Zach Bye. Mm-hmm. But Zach and I got that at least in common. Well, good. But I don't come in here wearing Buffalo Bills t-shirts, you know, seven days in a row. But I got no problems with it either. So, Texter, are you happy now? Assumed incompetence syndrome. Yeah, you can't assume that things... That's a good way to be as a fan if you just never want to think anything good can happen. That's the same thing as, like, why can't we have nice things in this house? I think a lot of people were going through that with the Nuggets. A lot of people. More so with the Nuggets than the Avalanche. Because it just got their hopes up too much. They didn't want to be let down again. So they kind of perpetually were trying to figure out why and when things would go wrong because they couldn't take the heartbreak of of being disappointed yet again. Or that's the only substance they had to draw from. Uh, it, can, it can happen. You just assume things are going to go wrong for you. Um, but for somebody like me who moved here in 99, um, except for my year in Steamboat in 77, Orange Crush, for me, I was like, I, I didn't have any of that in my DNA. None of it. I just was like looking at this Nuggets team like, yeah, why not? Why couldn't they? Uh, sure, I, I believe in these guys. And then with the Avalanche two years ago, Matt, see, that doesn't happen the same because the Avalanche have history, don't they? They've, they've, that organization has figured out a way. So when I asked Patrick Sertan about the past and, and, and what defines the history of the Broncos, you know what he said? What's that? Winning. Yeah. I thought it was an awesome answer. I think if you asked fans, they would probably respond the same. What is the defining characteristic? A competitive football team. Of the Denver Broncos. One of the best teams in the AFC, in the AFC period. And Sertan said winning. Yeah, but guess what? The further we move away from that, the more that light dies. Mm. And we're so far so away think, from it. Where, where do you think we are? We're then? so far away from it. There's no light at the end of the tunnel at training camp. 
that's where we're at. Do you think most Broncos fans right now, and you could be one of them, think of the Broncos as a winning championship team or a losing team? I think you have two different versions of the Broncos. The pre and post, you know, the pre and post Peyton eras, right? Everything that led up to Peyton, including Peyton, and then when he left, new era of Broncos football started. Well, what do you think most Broncos fans think and define themselves as right now, being a Broncos fan? I think they probably still identify themselves as winners because a lot of people were still around for that. I'll tell you what, give it a couple of years, you got a whole new generation of yeah, fans. Yeah, when, when does that disappear? Shoot, we're seven years out now. You think that's got a 10-year shelf life? More? I'll tell you this. It doesn't get better after 10. You don't start to relate more to what you did over a decade ago. I still think the the belief and the history and the defining characteristic of this team, I still do think it's winning. I do. But boy, man. Not lately. It's been, yeah, it's been stretched, hasn't it? It's been stretched. They, they never wanted to rebuild. They never did it the right way. And then how is a team that has struggled in the culture and you've done all this other stuff, how does a team come out Look, flat in the past couple of days, or at least yesterday? How do they come out flat? Because you're in the dog days of training camp. And yeah, okay, you got another team in, and sure, you want to be all up and ready to go, but what led you to believe that they were going to be anything other than who they've been the last three weeks? Yeah, but there's certain things you can always control is your effort and your attitude. And you, you came out flat? I think that's a wonderful question for Sean Payton.